Hi guys, today I feel so privileged to be chatting with Dr. Edward Bullmore, best-selling author of The Inflamed Mind, A Radical New Approach to Depression. His book is incredibly insightful and thought-provoking. I raced through it because it said so many things I wish I had read so many years ago, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate. I do apologize, the reception dropped a couple of times, um, minor inconvenience, but what can you do? I've tried to edit as best as I can. And if you are dealing with depression in your life and you think there might be a link to inflammation, then you're gonna get an awful lot out of this. As always, thanks for subscribing and leaving a review. And if you wanna get in touch, don't hesitate to do so. Enjoy the chat. currently is focused on inflammation and depression uh, and how those two things might be related and how uh, we might be able to use an understanding of that relationship to find new treatments for people with depression. Great. And th this is so fascinating to me and beyond from picking up your book and reading it and absolutely being glued from start to finish is like you obviously we, we don't know each other you don't know my story but like going back 18 years ago now i had a real strong bout of, of panic attacks which led into anxiety and ultimately brought me down the road of depression and one of the symptoms of my anxiety was that i had like the as far as i was concerned i had the worst headaches imaginable um and if, you know, the, the tension coming up my shoulders and my whole body, uh, basically I just couldn't cope with the pain. And that, with not knowing what was actually going on, that I was suffering from anxiety or panic attacks, ultimately led me down the route of depression. So when I picked up your book and, and started, and I've kind of been studying this stuff on and curious as, as you would be, for, for many years now and when I read your book it just like it made so much sense on a level that I've never come across before mm. well I mean you know I'm, I'm delighted you really enjoyed the book um, and, and uh, you know I you know, having published the book you know I have had a lot uh, a number of people reach out to me and say similar sort of things, that they've personally experienced um, depression coming together with some kind of um, physical symptoms or some kind of physical disease. Um, and I think a lot of people have had those sort of experiences, but I think that they're not very well recognized or treated by the medical profession currently. And I think, uh, you know, the feedback I've had from the book and your, what you've just said is consistent with this, is I think there are a lot of people out there who um, have a mix of physical and uh, mental health symptoms. Um, and that might be depression associated with inflammation. Um, but the medical profession, um, certainly in this country, uh, tends to split 
symptoms quite sort of categorically into physical or mental. And I think for the many people that have some kind of mixture of both, it can be quite frustrating to find, um, you know, uh, healthcare support uh, that uh, addresses their, their situation as a whole, rather than carving out the mental health piece and, and having a psychiatrist look at that versus uh, the, the, the physical health and having a physician look at that. I think there's a little bit too much of a split in how we currently um, organize uh, healthcare. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I think that may be one of the reasons why uh, the book has, has, uh, has, has been welcomed by the many people that uh, have had somewhat similar experiences to you. In other words, they've experienced a mix of these two symptoms, rather two types of symptoms, rather kind of intimately uh, related to each other. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of seeing the medical field, I guess, and coming together and seeing the mind and body as one, which sometimes gets talked about in, in more holistic documentaries and, and things like that. But it, it's certainly the first mm -hmm. time I've come across it in the medical profession. And in your experience, does it kind of swing both ways? Like, do people, people who are inflamed become depressed, but people who are depressed, do they also become inflamed? Um, so I think it's pretty clear that um, uh, people who are inflamed uh, at a particular point in time can uh, have an increased risk of becoming depressed subsequently. Um, and there have been a number of studies that have looked at this over time. I think you know, one particularly convincing example is um, uh, around the treatment of hepatitis. So hepatitis, um, for many years, the most effective treatment was to give people uh, a drug called interferon, mm -hmm. which is a inflammatory uh, cytokine. It's a drug that really stirs up the immune system. Um, and that's effective because uh, as you stimulate the immune system, you make it more aggressive in, in tackling the, the virus that causes hepatitis. But it was noticed uh, that about a third of those patients after this uh, uh, interferon treatment uh, develop depression and that's a very nice sort of able a very nice experience sort of uh, example of um, inflammation in this case interferon uh, preceding or anticipating the emergence of depression and that's compatible with the idea that inflammation can cause depression can depression cause inflammation um, in other words can it swing both ways as you said the uh, Evidence for that, I would say, is less um, secure. Um, but to my mind, at least, it's not inconceivable that depression could cause inflammation. For mm -hmm. example, if you are depressed, um, you are more likely to uh, encounter various social stresses. For example, it's stressful being admitted to hospital. It's stressful uh, having take time off work because you you know you're too depressed to go into work and that means that you lose income uh, you have to cope with financial pressures uh, that you otherwise wouldn't do there's a lot of stigma associated with 
depression and other mental illness. Uh, people may feel stressed because uh, they don't want to talk about it with friends and colleagues, or they're, they're fearful that if they do, that uh, you know they may be regarded as you know nuts or in some other way kind of discounted because they're experiencing mental health symptoms. Mm -hmm. So being depressed is uh, one way in which you're more likely to experience various social stresses. And one of the things that I touch on in the book, and I think is a very interesting area where the science is moving, um, and I, I expect we'll know more about this in future than we do now, but we already know that social stresses can cause inflammation. Um, so, for example, you know, experiments have been done showing that if you if you take uh, people um, and have them do a public speaking um, uh, experiment, yes. so you, you you have them you know do an experiment in which they have to sort of stand up in front of a panel of people yeah. and do a bit of mental arithmetic and maybe say a few words. In other words, it's a little bit like public speaking, which is a stress for most people. You're in the lab. But that's associated with an increase in inflammatory activity in their blood cells. So stress can cause inflammation. Depression can cause stress. Therefore, potentially, depression could cause inflammation. And yes, in short, it could swing both ways. But I would say we need more uh, evidence to support all of this. Um, many of the um, uh, many of the strongest uh, uh, bits of evidence we have at the moment are based on animal experiments, mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, you know when you're working with animals, it's possible to to um, investigate these questions of causality uh, very precisely. But of course, we w we want to be sure what we can see in animals is representative of what's actually going on in humans. And I think there's still quite a bit of work to do uh, with humans to to nail down these causal questions. Yeah, it's it's so crazy, and and what what would be some of the main causes of of inflammation? I guess then that would would like obviously. I mean, you know, if I, if I'm doing public speaking, my inflammation is going to shoot up, but it's just something that I I, I don't like have any desire really to do, and you know, I I'll try push the boundaries every now and again, but I. I feel how my body reacts to that. But what are the, some of the main causes? Because you, you talk about rheumatoid, rheum, am I pronouncing that right? Rheumatoid arthritis in the book quite a lot. But what, what are some of the main yeah. causes of inflammation that would ultimately lead to depression? So, um, so first of all, I would say there's all the medical disorders that are associated with uh, inflammation, which are to some extent inflammatory diseases, and rheumatoid arthritis is a good example, but by no means the only one. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, in rheumatoid arthritis, which is a so-called autoimmune disease, so the immune system mistakenly is attacking itself, and that generates a lot of inflammatory activity in the body. Um, many of those people with rheumatoid have psychological symptoms, fatigue depression, um, something that is commonly called brain fog, which is a sort of just a sort of um, a difficulty in planning mm -hmm. and thinking clearly about the future. Um, these symptoms are terribly common um, in people with rheumatism. And actually, if you look across um, 
the spectrum, most people who have a long-term medical disorder uh, with an inflammatory component are going to be at increased risk of depression. So that's one important source of medical disease. Then there are other people who have depression but don't obviously have rheumatoid arthritis or mm -hmm. another medical um, disorder. And yet, if you look in the blood tests of, uh, you know, let's say 100 patients with depression, you'll find that about 30 or 40 percent of people with depression also have blood test evidence of inflammation. Mm -hmm. It's not extremely high levels of inflammation, but nevertheless, it is um, outside the normal range. We'd call it low-grade inflammation. So what are the factors that can cause that sort of low-grade inflammation uh, in people with depression? Well, we've talked already about stress, and that's one um, example. Um, for, you know, we know that uh, people that have just in, uh, experienced the major social stress of uh, you know, their spouse or, or close family member dying, so bereavement, mm -hmm. and the social stress we know is associated with increased levels of inflammation. Not to, not to the height that you'd see in a patient with rheumatoid arthritis, say, mm -hmm. but this low-grade inflammation could be stress-related. Okay. Obesity is another factor. You know, the higher, the higher your um, body mass index, the higher your, uh, your, your body weight, uh, all other things being equal, the higher the level of inflammatory protein in the blood. Okay. Um, and, and after, after, as we get older, we tend to become more inflamed. In the winter, we tend to be more inflamed than in the summer. And the interesting thing about all of these factors, stress, obesity, um, time of year, um, uh, uh, is that they are all already recognized as uh, associated with depression or at risk of depression, uh, risk factors for depression. So it may be that these, these you know, the association between obesity, for example, is driven by the fact that obesity causes inflammation, inflammation causes depression. So there are, in short, there are two types of factors that can drive inflammation. There are medical diseases, and in the people that are depressed without a medical disease, there are many um, other factors, stress, obesity, that can cause low-grade inflammation, and that might uh, explain why they're also associated with depression. Wow, and uh, I guess like work stress would 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 certainly fit into because a lot of people are super stressed in their careers at the moment, or, or you know trying to become yeah. entrepreneur, whatever. It seems to be a, a huge area for stress, and that would so that would lead to low grade inflammation. And uh, am I right? This is where yeah. we get into the. This the sciencey stuff, and I, I'm going to pronounce these wrong, but it's like this is measured in the blood in in the white blood cells, the count of macrophages and yeah. cyto cytokines. Did, did I get that anywhere near yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when you when you do a blood test, um, you take some blood out of. Um, uh, somebody's arm mm -hmm. um, and take it to the lab basically there are a number of different things that you can measure in that in that blood sample that that 
give us a clue about what's going on in the immune system and what the level of inflammation might be. Uh, and you picked on two things that you can measure. You can measure white blood cells that are, you know, are in circulation in the body. Those are uh, immune or inflammatory cells. And we can measure very precisely the number of cells uh, across uh, a range of different types of cells. We can measure, we can measure macrophages, uh, and there are various other cells that we can measure in the blood. Um, we can also measure proteins, and there are proteins like cytokines, C-reactive protein, or CRP, is another one um, that we can measure. And these are, I think of them as kind of like inflammatory hormones. So they're molecules that are in circulation, and they are important in turning up or turning down the amount of inflammatory activity uh, throughout the body. So you can look at cells, and you can look at proteins. And if you do those kind of tests in people with depression, it turns out uh, that uh, uh, there are somewhat increased levels of inflammatory proteins in about a third of patients with depression. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people that have higher levels of inflammatory protein tend to also have higher levels of white blood cells or immune cells in circulation. So these are both, um, to use the jargon, these are both biomarkers. the cells and the proteins are both biomarkers that we can we can measure uh, as blood tests of inflammatory status. Okay, wow. And I guess the, the next obvious question is, like, if you go in and you get a blood test, and I know they're probably expensive, and 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 you find you have a high count of uh, of uh, sarcotene proteins. Excuse my pronunciation. And macrophages and all the other different biomarkers. Then, like, what is it? What kind of processes can you put in place to reduce them? Uh, well, so there are, um, you know, there are a lot of anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, that are already available, not for depression, they're not licensed for depression, but there are a number of uh, anti-inflammatory drugs that are um, in development or licensed for um, uh, inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, there's quite a bit of evidence um, that has accumulated from uh, clinical trials suggest that those anti-inflammatory drugs can have antidepressant effects uh, in in patients. Um, I would say that the clinical trial evidence so far is uh, unquestionably supportive of the idea that an anti-inflammatory drug could work as an antidepressant, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've yet seen absolutely clear-cut clinical trial evidence for that. And there are a number of studies ongoing around the world that are, you know, designed to test that idea and, and hopefully to generate more convincing evidence um, that drugs might be uh, part of the answer. Um, but I also think it's important to uh, recognise that um, it's not just drugs that can change the stages of the immune system. Um, and here, the evidence I have to say gets, you know in my opinion, quite a bit sketchier. Mm-hmm. But um, 
nevertheless, I think these are all interesting ideas to explore further in future. So one possibility, for example, is diet. You know, diet, uh, what you eat changes the microbiome, changes the population of bacteria that you have in your gut. And um, the gut is a sort of key front line, if you will, in the um, immune system, uh, in the immune system defense of the body. Imagine the gut's full of these bacteria, some of which may be dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, the gut wall is lined with um, immune cells. And it's conceivable to me that you change your diet, you change your microbiome, that could be picked up by the immune cells in your gut as a, as a sort of infection risk. It triggers an inflammatory response. And that could be one way in which diet is related to mood. I don't regard that as proven yet, but I think it's conceivable. Okay. Um, and, you know, that gets you into the whole uh, concept of anti-inflammatory diets. And, and there's a lot of talk about this, um, about how people can control their immune system mm. by changing what they eat. I think that's an interesting idea. I would like to see, again, more data, more evidence that really nailed it. Um, but I think it's, it's conceivable. Another thing that people talk about a lot in relation or in talking about increasingly in relation to inflammation is the vagus nerve you know the vagus nerve comes out of the brain and it innovates uh, many different bodily organs including the immune system and we now know that if you stimulate the vagus nerve that tends to have an anti-inflammatory effect mm -hmm. um, now that's interesting because there are already devices for stimulating the vagus nerve that are licensed for treatment of depression. Wow, um, actual devices. Yes. Now, they're, they're, the devices that are marketed at the moment are quite sort of clunky, and they have to be, you know, they're a bit like having a pacemaker put in. Oh, wow. So it's a sort of minor oh, so it's a a big job. surgical procedure oh. to stimulate. Uh, those, those stimulators are like depression and it could be depression by driving down inflammation in the body and I think that again needs more research it needs more investigation but it's interesting to me because uh, you know we're living in a, uh, an era of innovation in on the kind of you could use to stimulate cleverer and and smaller and less invasive, less difficult to uh, implant or to, to, to use. And that could open up other types of interest. And I'll offer one more um, thought, which is that, again, based on limited state uh, there is uh, there have been some yoga those sort of um, you know broadly speaking mindfulness mm -hmm. uh, methods of kind of you know um, consciously trying to control and um, uh, essentially calm down uh, you, you know one's emotional state 
uh, there is evidence that they may also have an anti-inflammatory effect. Yeah. So I, the, bottom, the bottom line is that I would say to people listening to this, if you're interested in the possible links between inflammation and depression, that's great. I'm personally most interested in those links because I think it gives us an opportunity to develop new drugs mm-hmm. for treatment of depression. But this isn't all about drugs, and there could well be other ways of reducing inflammation that might be beneficial to people with depression that don't involve drugs. They might involve diet, they might involve psychological treatment, mm. talking therapies, or, or yoga, or other sort of practices like that, or they might involve um, stimulation. The, you broke up a little bit there. So I, I think it, it's it's so unbelievably fascinating. I know you talk about this book and, and the, the history you give of, of like, you know, the SSRIs going back from when uh, Prozac was accidentally found um, and that not having changed in I don't know how many years and, and now that like potentially you know inflammation if you cure inflammation you can cure you know a third or a little bit more of depression which is insane and the amount of research and and studies coming to the forefront just Mm -hmm. is really mind-blowing is you know including um inflammation fascinates me it absolutely fascinates me um and you know the 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 microbiome stuff that's you know diet and changing your microbiome all that fascinates me i remember i i used to do a lot of i mean i still do a bit of yoga but i used to do an awful lot of yoga and a lot of talk about the the vagus nerve and just learning that there's actually a you know a machine albeit you know it has to be it's a it's surgery but to stimulate that and to that that reduces depression is it's just so crazy that like it, your book just speaks so much to like because you think depression you think ssris right once you go mm-hmm. see the doctor that's that's the chat or you know you're speaking to a psychologist but like to uh, me personally i i think it's i think it's so amazing that there's this whole field avenue being explored um and uh i think your book does a wonderful job of it is there any relation between that you in your research between anxiety and inflammation um I'd say there's less research. Um, there's a bit. Um, I think uh, I, I'd sort of slightly broaden it out a little bit, and I'd say that um, a lot of people are thinking about the immune system or inflammation in relation to a number of um, different psychological symptoms or psychiatric syndromes or mental health disorders, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's not just depression. Uh, there are people looking at the relationship between the immune system and autism, uh, the immune system and psychosis. Um, there's work going on in relation to bipolar disorder, uh, anxiety. Uh, there's a lot of interest in the role of inflammation in relation to uh, Alzheimer's disease, 
Parkinson's disease and other, you know, late life neurodegenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, it's exciting that, you know, uh, it seems as if the immune system, um, which is, you know, historically uh, we were taught had nothing to do with the nervous system. Okay, yeah, I mean, when I was, uh, cannot get at the brain because it's, the brain is protected by something called the blood-brain barrier, um, uh, which we were students was completely impermeable to the cells and the proteins that circulate in the blood uh, and that, that uh, drive inflammation. So, you know, within living memory, it has been. And now we're in a position where suddenly a lot of uh, brain and mental health disorders look as if they might have uh, an immune component to them. To me, exciting sort of breakthrough in the, the way of thinking about uh, in general. Um, the book mainly focuses on, I think, at the moment, what that's where people have been active, uh, it has, you know, uh, accumulated to the greatest extent. But I think that the this general question of how the immune system relates to the brain, the nervous system, and how that might help us explain disorders of the brain, disorders of the mind, I think that, you know, at the moment seems to have a pretty broad spectrum of, um, you know, relevance uh, mm-hmm. to a number of different disorders. Okay. I'd also say, by the way, that, you know, particularly in psychiatry, these things that we call disorders, um, is, you know, and, uh, if you look at them closely, are not that cleanly separated from each other. So, you know, d- depression and anxiety go together very commonly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and made better, instead of, instead of trying to sort of categorize somebody as either mainly we'd picture to say, well, you know, they've got a mix of symptoms there. There's a bit of fatigue, there's a bit of anxiety, there's a bit of depression. It doesn't really matter so much what the symptoms are. What matters is what's the cause of the symptoms. And if conditions that turn out to be an immune mechanism or an inflammatory mechanism, and we can treat the cause with by diet, drug, the depression and the anxiety and the fatigue to be improved somewhat. So I think if it, uh, the way I'd really like us to go in psychiatry uh, is to get away from trying to treat symptoms and move instead to trying to treat the causes. And I think the immune system and inflammation could turn out to be an important cause, not for everybody, mm-hmm. but at least a sort of chunk of of, of people with depression and anxiety, that might be the causal factor. And if we start treating the cause, that would be a big step forward for psychiatry. And it yeah, for sure. Actually bring us up to uh, to where, you know, other parts of mental health have been working for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the reality is that many people that do have these inflammatory diseases that fall depressed may spend you know, 
spend years of their lives sitting on the therapist chair or, you know, looking for family issues or whatnot or childhood traumas that, that actually, that aren't really there. And it's something else that's, that's been causing it all along. Um, wow. And for improving the overall immune system, is, is it kind of the, the same approach to reducing inflammation? Well, I mean, it can be part of the problem, inflammation, is it can cause disease. Um, the immune system as a whole, uh, of course, does many other things that are highly beneficial and protective. Um, and, you know, I think it's quite difficult to say what's the optimal state of the immune system as a whole. It's like saying, well, what's the optimal state of the brain as a whole? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a big, complex system. It's it's uh, difficult to sort of reduce it to a single, you know, bad uh, dashboard outcome, if you will. So I think at the moment, what is, is and certainly what we're doing is to say, okay, the immune system as a whole is a wonderful, complex thing, but inflammation, having too many white blood cells in circulation, too too many inflammatory proteins in circulation, that's generally a bad thing. It's a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, for example, mm -hmm. we know. Um, maybe it's also a risk factor for depression and other mental health symptoms. Um, it's not the whole of the immune system, but it's, a, it's one of the things that the immune system does that we can be more confident is um, you know, adverse, uh, unhelpful. And, uh, and it's also one of the things that the immune system does that we know uh, quite well how to treat. So I think there's a sort of, not trying to sort of um, immediately understand the whole of the immune system and all its complexity, but just pick out inflammation as one thing it does that we can measure, that we can treat, and that could be contributory to mental health disorders as it is to many physical health disorders. Okay. And uh, just to, just a couple more things I want to run by you. Just to, to, to run back there a while ago. So if, if I get a blood test today and my, my biomarkers are off the charts, um, cicatines, yep. macrophages, uh, and, I, and, I, and I also say to my, to my doctor, I, I'm depressed. Is my doctor likely to go, we'll take an SSRI, or is, is he or she to go, well, you're highly inflamed, so it's, that's not surprising, so let's put you on this medicine to reduce that inflammation, and then you should start feeling better. So I think most, most doctors will, um, will know that um, you know, drugs have risks and as well as benefits and and as doctors really therefore we're only licensed to prescribe drugs that have been proven to have benefits that outweigh the risks okay. that's really what clinical trials are all about mm -hmm. and as i was saying earlier although there's a lot of uh, promising evidence to suggest that anti-inflammatory drugs can work as antidepressants we haven't yet seen any particular anti-inflammatory drug go through the whole rigmarole of clinical trials that would be needed to uh, be licensed uh, as a treatment for depression. So uh, most doctors 
women's sake. I think all conscientious doctors uh, looking at the situation at the moment would have to say, if you're inflamed and depressed, those could be related, but there's nothing I can immediately prescribe that's a licensed treatment for um, so depression that's going to work on the immune system. Yeah, so trouble, because you'd basically be, as a doctor, making it up as you, well, not making it up as you went along, but prescribing drugs for which there isn't a license, you know, for which the, yeah. for which the, uh, yeah. so, but what I think a good doctor would do in that situation is say, okay, you're depressed and you're inflamed. Let's think about the causes of that inflammation, because even if, uh, uh, you know, you weren't depressed, being highly inflamed is not a good thing. You know, it's going to be a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, for example, or it may indicate those high, very high levels of uh, inflammatory proteins or white blood cells may indicate that, that you have some other uh, sort of medical problem that needs to be investigated and understood and, and treated in its own right. So I think a good doctor would say, well, you know, you're depressed. It's a, it's a bit of it's a concern that your inflammatory markers are also up. Let's try and understand what is the cause of that inflammation. And in the meantime, let's try some treatments for depression, um, you know, existing treatments, um, and take it from there. See if we can, you know, work out where the inflammation might be coming from, treat uh, the causes of the inflammation, uh, treat the depression with the drugs and other treatments that we have available for depression, and, and move forward on that basis. Um, so it's slightly different, slightly different, way of thinking about things but again it's all about cause mm -hmm. finding the cause of in this case the inflammatory signals being up uh would be a very good thing for a doctor to do in that situation okay interesting so it, it, it kind of it's a lot of the trials at this stage would, would fall under pseudoscience is that correct uh no i wouldn't uh pseudoscience no i mean i wouldn't say the um no, I don't think they. I think the existing trials—they're not—they're um, not badly done trials. They're, the existing data—it's—it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's you know pseudoscience. I'd just say that um, you know, for example, you know, I mentioned that there are some studies that have shown effects of meditation mm -hmm. on um, immune markers. Um, I don't think those studies are, you know pseudoscience or, or necessarily wrong, but they are small-scale studies, typically. You know, they've just looked at a few patients um, and um, you know, for a, for a new drug or a new um, uh, psychological treatment to be sort of endorsed by the medical profession and to be safe mm -hmm. for patients, it needs a higher standard of proof than so far exists. So the you know what's out there already. I don't. I wouldn't say it's necessarily wrong at this point, but I, I think it needs to be. You know, we need to see uh, convincing evidence in bigger samples of, of, of patients. We need to see some consistency of effect, uh, and we need to be sure that you know none of these interventions we're talking about are too dangerous. Uh, be used for treatment of depression and, 
and that, that all of that work um, just needs a scale up um, of of uh, activity to follow up some of the leads that have already been generated. Oh, okay, yeah. No, that that makes total sense. I, I think I actually miss. I, I think I've misunderstood what actually pseudoscience means, but. Um, Thank you for clarifying all that. It makes perfect sense. Uh, so, 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 what's the future looking like from from the perspective of of your work? Where would you like to see this um, go? Well, I think um, I think you know there's a sort of narrow lines to that and a broad answer. So, the narrow get to a more precise uh, blood test that we could use to identify inflammation that might be relevant to depression. And we're running a trial to look at as a treatment for depression in people who are, um, despite having tried SSRIs. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously I hope that those projects, you know, move forward in a positive way. And um, is that running at the moment? It is, yeah. Um, I hope that, um, you know, that the increasing sort of scientific evidence for, uh, you know, crosstalk, if you will, between the brain and the immune system, the increasing scientific evidence that, um, you know, uh, inflammation uh, in the body can be relevant to states of mind. I, I hope that that uh, causes a sort of more general shift in how we think about physical and mental health and the relationship between them. Um, you know, I hope we can get um, more doctors trained in both um, physical health and like more, you know, uh, integrated health uh, available to people. Because, you know, going back to the start of the conversation, you, you shared your own experience of a mix of physical and mental health symptoms, mm -hmm. um, and I said that I, you know, that had been the experience of many other people, and I think there are a lot of people out there that have both physical and mental health symptoms, and they're not finding it easy to get uh, healthcare that addresses both aspects of their experience at yeah, the same absolutely. time. Um, but if we can get to, you know, if if this sort of conversation helps nudge things in the direction of greater integration within medicine between physical and mental, that would be good. And if more specifically we can find, you know, blood tests, biomarkers that, that identify people who have depression related to inflammation and we've got the drugs or other treatments that we can use to treat the cause of their depression and that's to their benefit and that would be terrific too. So I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot that we might hope to look forward to in the future. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm so glad I picked up your book and um, I'm so excited to kind of follow you and, uh, and read the next books if they're coming or just kind of see the evolution of this because, um, you know, as you say, it, it's, it's time for change and this, is, uh, this could be absolutely huge. So... Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's that's been 
great. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And thanks again for your interest in the book and this, in this general area. Uh, Edward Bulmer, thank you so much for speaking with me. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. The book is called The Inflamed Mind, A Radical New Approach to Depression. If you've any interest at all in this stuff, or if you are suffering from depression and you think there might be a link with inflammation, then I cannot recommend this book enough. Just get out there, get it today and read it. You'll love it. You'll take away so much from it. Um, Edward Bulmer, thank you so much again.